ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, TerraMaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports Tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. Jackie Meadows, wow. How are you, sir? Doing good, doing good. Just getting old. Yeah, well, aren't we all? Welcome to ATV Talk. Hey, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to uh, uh, come and sit down and, and, and have a conversation with us. It's always good to talk about racing. I don't I don't get to do that much anymore. Oh, well, we're going to we're going to get in some good bench racing here. Um, I know before we started taping that uh, we brought up that you had signed with Kawasaki at a very young age. And you had a really good. Uh, amateur career with him. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Um, my, uh, my dad got me into racing real early and, uh, God, I can't even remember what year it was, maybe 82 or 83. We went to Oklahoma city, Oklahoma. And, uh, it was a qualifier back then for this race, uh, Santa Cruz or San Jose off-road Grand Prix and you had to qualify for it anyway long story short one year um there is I'm old school like almost old as it gets so <laughs> I names like Ricky Martin do you remember Ricky Martin and I'm not talking about yeah. you know the the, the dancer yeah, yes, singer Ricky Martin was a good friend of mine and you know another one of my heroes when I was a kid but in Oklahoma City, some kid showed up on Ricky Martin's Kawasaki 125 as that he was racing in the pro class. Back then, there was a 125 pro, a 200 pro, 250. The classes were different. So there were pro Honda had team riders and, you know, pro riders in the, in the 125 CCs. And then they had Stevie Wright racing the 200s and then. It, it was just a different, it was, it was all crazy, but, uh, yeah, long story short, my career with Kawasaki started at that race in Oklahoma city when a guy named Nino Policia, another really fast kid the, at that time was the fastest guy I'd ever encountered. And it just blew my mind that he showed up riding another, one of my heroes bikes. And I was like, man, so it was my main priority to beat that guy that weekend. And, uh, we did, we, my dad built a Honda, uh, and him and a guy by the name of, uh, Oh, got tricky dicks, shell Bynum, Missouri. He, he did convert dirt bike conversions. And, um, uh, 
it was a 125 CR Honda dirt bike we took and uh, converted. And anyway, we took it there to Oklahoma City that weekend and uh, we ended up winning. And it wasn't two weeks later, I was on that very bike at Des Moines, Iowa. And um, it was all downhill from there. We rode my whole career with them. And uh, they're good people. Family. They're like family. And do you still keep in contact with any of the old Kawasaki? Reed, Reed, Reed Nordine. Um, you guys, in the very early, uh, early, early, Reed Nordine was... The way I remember him as a kid, he was Jimmy's mechanic, uh, among many other things, mentor, uh, babysitter. <laughs> he, uh, oh, he, babysitter sums <laughs> up pretty good. I was a terrible kid, man. And then you got to think, you know, in the, in the beginning, it was pretty much me. And then later, Charlie Shepard joined the team and, uh, you know, we, we were a rough bunch that the green guys, everybody always, they, they, uh, they knew team Kawasaki. They were just kind of a rowdy bunch of people. So there was either some babysitting either the kids or, or Jimmy, maybe he probably needed babysitting a lot back then. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to love that. <laughs> Him and my dad, Daryl Bassani, they all needed a lot of babysitting them three right there. <laughs> You're but, uh, names there, bud. Oh, good times, man. When I I was a lucky kid, I, I got to hang out with all the cool guys. So I was real lucky. Um, because I don't know, and please excuse me if I'm asking a sensitive question. Um, what's your dad do now? My my father passed in 2004. Oh, I'm so sorry, buddy. I didn't know. No, and that's just another crazy thing. That's a story in itself. You know, that's, uh, that was the second decade. So, uh, I, after 88, which I raced, like I said, I raced one year of pro and I, I actually, that's another story. Uh, the stories could go, we could talk for days. And that's why we're right. here. Uh, I ended, I ended, um, my dad passed away in 2004. He had a heart attack and uh, crazy story. I quit in 88 and I didn't pick up a magazine. I didn't know who Shane hit was. I didn't know who Tim Farr was or Doug Gus. I didn't know none of those guys. Um, but we come back in 2002, 14 years later, and uh, we returned to racing and uh, we ended up signing another contract with Kawasaki. So we only got to race one year before my dad passed. So, but that, that's a, what do you say? Another segment. Right. Right. But, Did that, yeah. when, when, dad, when dad passed, that ended it for you? Um, yeah, doing it like trying to go all out. It did because um, I I took over his business. Uh, he did directional boring, communications, fiber optic work, and that's what I still do. So, but I made time for racing. You know, I would go. You know, uh, like I say, that was oh four. He passed early. We we had already signed a contract with Kawasaki to ride the V forces. Uh, they had just come out, and um, yeah, it's it, it just uh, 
you know, it, it's just my career was kind of like that. You know, every time me and my pops would get right to where we wanted to go, you remember back in the 80s with all the lawsuits and the government's um, issues with three-wheelers and they thought we could fix it with four-wheelers. The factories hung around for, what, a year? One not, year. Basically. Not even. Not, not even. even because in the, in the end, I was given the option. You know, I got the phone call and, man, it really sucked because I rode my whole career with Kawasaki leading up, you know, Shadow and Jimmy watching his ever move, you know, I was trying to be right there beside Jimmy, you know, and uh, and so was Charlie Shepard uh, at the time. And uh, it was just a big letdown when we knew and at the end of 87 um, <clears throat> that we were we could ride for the factory, but we wasn't going to get, you know, there wasn't nobody going to make no money. So uh, it was the end of the road. And uh, looking back, I wish I would have stayed. I wish I would have rode my pro year with Kawasaki because that was my family. But I wasn't planning on quitting in 88. I just, uh, just you know, sometimes things don't play out the way you want. Um, we were competitive. I After I talked to you, I dug through some old magazines and uh, – Hell, we pretty much stayed in the top five everywhere we went, you know, unless I crashed. And and I did do that a lot. <laughs> um, I didn't have no, uh, I didn't have no in the middle. So, and, you know, that's what a lot of people don't know about me. I come back in, 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 uh, Oh, two, you know, people thought, Oh, this guy's an old pro from the eighties. I mean, really I was a pro for one year in a selected few events that we ran, um, you know, we ended up winning Boyd, Texas on a four stroke. I hated four strokes, man, hated four strokes. My dad had to fight with me to get me to ride them damn things. I hated them. They yeah. shook. They're, and you know, they're not like, the, sir. And that's all there is now. Oh, well now, you know, I don't, the new four strokes, they're not to me, they're not like the old four strokes, you know, <laughs> like, you know, everybody talks about that race that it was, it was an 88, um, um, a guy named John Fitzpatrick at FTZ racing had built a Mojave that, you know, he said was really fast and, uh, him and my dad were buddies. And, uh, anyway, Dad told him, bring the damn thing uh, to Boyd and we'll, I'll make Jackie ride it. <laughs> uh, I, after we fought and argued and all I cared about, all I really cared about, you know, was a two-stroke class, you know, at the time, because there was a four-stroke pro, there was two-stroke pro uh, back then. So all I cared about was the two-strokes and, and I changed to the Honda. I was trying to work things out. I was riding for your brother and uh, Paul Turner, uh, along with my ex-teammate at Kawasaki, Charlie Shepard, uh, and Rodney Gentry was pretty much the team that year, and a guy named Steve Stroud. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, I should have... We still do work for Steve. Hey, you know, he's such a good guy. Him and his dad. See, I hope his dad's still doing good. Do you... you his pop's still alive. I don't know. Because his dad but, used to uh, everything. 
And then Steve started handling it. He's so, a good guy. You know what? I, I, I don't know. And, and sometimes it's so hard to ask because. Um, oh, I know. We, well, we don't keep up. You don't know it. You know, we all take for granted that we're all going to live forever. And then you talk to someone, you're like, man, I didn't know that you're, you know, someone had passed. And uh, we get old fast, Leonard. Yeah, because you're talking 88. And that was as I was coming into the world. You know, I was racing on the West Coast and doing stuff on the yes, West Coast. But you talked about signing with Cowie for 2004. We were teammates. Right. I rode, so, for, Reed. I rode for Reed in 2004 also. And that awesome. So we're, what were you racing on the West Coast? I was racing works in 2004. Uh, Oh wow! That yeah. See, and I never, I never went to the West Coast. Um, me and Dad only got to race. It's a crazy story. After the whole first decade, you know, all of that good stuff. I just uh, rode the Honda. We were competitive, and uh, long story short, you know, I just was burnt out. We raced Boyd and then I ended up getting hurt that night in the two stroke class. And, uh, and then, and then we had Loretta Lenz a couple weeks later, I was riding injured and it just took all the wind out of my sails, you know, when the factories got out and a lot of people stayed, I know Charlie stayed and he raced and for years to come. Um, but when I quit, I just never picked up a magazine or nothing. I, I didn't know that whole world died to me after 1988. I just didn't, never went back. And it excelled. Right. I mean, it grew exponentially after that. Uh, It blew me away. You know, it just shows you, you know, what kind of support that, you know, that, that our sport has, you know, people following and people like Lager building chassis and, um, but another thing, when I, I come back in 2002, um, I was 31 years old and I hadn't sat on a four-wheeler. I hadn't sat on a race bike since Loretta Lenz in 1988. Um, I, I just, uh, it was funny. I was my roommate at the time. Uh, you know, we, we and when I was right there at that age, my late twenties, I was kind of a little wild, chasing women and drinking, and and uh, I, my mind—that's where my mind was, and I, and and I worked, and that's all I did. I didn't race. I didn't. We raced cars, and that's another thing. We raced the world's fastest street cars, and uh, we went on and raced pro mods. If you, you know, my dad, he he raced everything. So and he didn't. He didn't do nothing halfway. So, but after the race, and that was another thing we did in the eighties, late eighties, 89, we took runner up in the world's fastest street car uh, nationals in Darlington, South Carolina. He just, uh, we should have won it, but that's something else, but (laughs) we just got outran, but uh, we done everything. We, and then pops passed away, but uh, the way we got back into it, I ended up buying a Lager chassis, which was one of your talking when the sport excelled, you know, after I quit. 
uh, never met Mark Lager. Didn't, you know, I didn't know anyone. And when I come back, but, um, I ended up buying one. There was two of these, if I'm correct, Gary Denton had Mark Lager build two frames. They were Honda frames and there was only two. He only built two and one was special made for TT. And that's what we were geared to when we come back. Cause I was working, you know, and I, at first I couldn't do, I worked with my dad and, and then tried to race, you know, how hard it is to, um, you, you can imagine trying to have a full-time job and go race with Tim Farr and Shane hit, you know? Right. So it was hard, but I bought a, a one of the, one of Denton's bikes from Joe bird, dirt, dirty Joe bird. <laughs> he had it. Another Tennessee boy, buddy of mine. Um, but I bought that bike from him and, um, we went to the first <clears throat> grand national in Fort Dodge, Iowa, John Pellin. I'm sure, you know, John Pellin. Yep. Yep. He, um, John put on a really, probably one of the coolest TT events that I've ever been to, uh, in the O2, I think. I think it was O2. Um, we hadn't been to a track in 14 years, not a national track. And, uh, I just, we just went, you know, and, uh, we had run some local races and I'd met some local riders. I thought were local riders, Keith Little, uh, <laughs> Greg Little, Brad Covington, uh, and the lit Jathan Seal, just all these guys that I thought were local. <clears throat> so after I bought the bike from Joe, we go to Greenbrier, Arkansas for some practice. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm old. I haven't raced, hadn't been on a track. I raced a local race and, uh, but anyway, on a Raptor. So I don't really count that, but, uh, we went to Greenbrier and I didn't know how many national caliber riders were at that track. I thought we were just going to some little local, you know, yokel track where, you know, and it just broke my heart because these guys were like kicking my ass. And I, I was like, I told my dad, I don't know who these guys are to be nobody. If these guys are the, are, the, are slow guys, how fast are these guys at the nationals? Cause I didn't know who Keith little was and all them guys. So, but uh, we we raced in a couple races there in Greenbrier, cut our teeth, and uh, we ended up going to Fort Dodge a few weeks later. And uh, long story short, I said the fastest qualifying time and the pro qualifier. Uh, I had Tim Farr and Keith Little and a bunch of other really fast guys uh, that I didn't know who were Jimmy Elza. I knew who he was real good by the end of the weekend because he knocked my brakes off my bike and I didn't get to finish the race because of Jimmy's super fly Elza. <laughs> but uh, he is a nice guy, but that's racing, right? So anyway, uh, we come back after 14 years and we, you know, competed. And uh, John had made a really cool track. It was a score, like an off-road track, you know, the, uh, the desert trucks, trophy trucks. Right. The corners were like really wide and it was neat. It was a cool track. Uh, Pellin really outdid himself on that one. That's so, awesome. 
it was a lot of fun. So after that, we rode the Honda that year. And, um, I mean, it was, I didn't race all the races. I think we ended up like seventh or sixth or seventh overall something, but, you know, to come back after 14 years and even compete with that group of guys, you know, I found out real fast who Tim Farr was and little skinny Shane hit, <laughs> uh, which is such a good buddy of mine. I can't say enough good things about Shane hit and his family. Uh, wild bunch right there. Yeah, um, especially Jake, Jake's real special. <laughs> uh, him and my dad were good friends. <clears throat> but uh, and yeah so and then and that was it you know we started racing and um, and then Pops ended up we ended up dad ended up talking to Reed again after the Fort Dodge thing it kind of got people's attention you know some people was like who's this old 31 year old guy out here you know running with the pros and uh, a lot Shane knew who I was and Timmy knew but I I knew who Shane Hit was because what I was telling you, my roommate, I'd come home one night and I'd been drinking. I was probably, I was about 30, I guess, 31. My roommate's watching these videos, which I I didn't know who West Miller was uh, at the time. And uh, my roommate's in there watching these videos. I'm like, what, what do you got there, man? And I didn't really talk to people about my race career. You know, I told people I raced four wheelers. They didn't know to what extent. So I'm watching this video with my roommate and he's like, I seen this one of Shane really old school video where they threw him in the back of the cop car. And, uh, he was saying, I'm the fastest guy alive. And I was thinking, who's this little skinny bastard right here? I'm, we're going to go see about how fast these guys are. And I, I did, I went and bought that Raptor. I was telling you about, we started riding, <clears throat> rode a couple of weeks and I went and bought, uh, I bought that bike from Joe and I went and seen they, he was, he's all they said he was at Shane Head. He's a bad dude. I beat him. It took me all year, but I finally at the end of uh, that whole year, their last race, if I'm right, was Greenville, Tennessee. <clears throat> and uh, it was really cool because I never got to race with Jeremiah Jones. Um, and it was just really cool. It was the last TT of the year. So a lot of the motocross guys, I guess, maybe finished up. They were all there. Corey Ellis come and raced with us uh, that at, at, at Greenville that year. Uh, Jeremiah. It, it was just a cool race. I ended up winning the 250 Pro-Am that day, that weekend. And uh, Shane was bumping me in every corner. You know, it, it, uh, it was it was really awesome. That was my last ride on that on the Honda, the Lager chassis bike, and uh, we ended up signing with Kawasaki to race that big V Force thing. Another fight with Dad that I didn't want to do. I was like, man, that thing's a utility quad. Just got the racks off of it, but it ended up being a lot of fun. And uh, we just kind of where'd you race it at? Uh, everywhere. We raced it on the TT circuit, on the GNC TT circuit. Really? Uh, yeah, Astabula. We raced everywhere. Everywhere the circuit went. It was just an open class bike. And the funny thing about it is anyone that's ever seen a race, me, oh my God, we pioneered the thing. Like right now, I'm sure you can get it 
it wouldn't, it didn't have no high gear. It was just run out down the straightaway and it would just stop like in the middle of the straightaway. And it just didn't have no high gear, you know, that was, it just wasn't made for that. But eventually my dad, man, they worked with snowmobile clutches and all kind of people, but um, they never ended up getting the bugs worked out of that big bike. But I mean, I think we ended up taking like, and I don't know, like fourth, maybe fifth in the open pro-am class on that big old utility quad. But anyway, and it worked us in Kawasaki that started riding. We were going to ride the 450s the next year, which was uh, 04. We were going to race the motocross and try to do everything full tilt. Dad saying I was serious about racing again. And, and uh, you know, he, he gave me some room and but then he, you know, he had the heart attack and then change, things change, you know. So um, then I would dabble in racing here and there, race a couple of races a year. But that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it for that decade. Wow. But uh, awesome about the about the V-Force, because I rode the V-Force in the work series and I raced 30 plus and I would run in the A class in the open a because there was a guy that rode uh well my teammate he rode in the open a or in the in the production a right you know and i would only run the i would only run the open a occasion i wouldn't run it all the time but we went to the very first works all atv national in idaho and um we had four classes that we could run in and on our, the final deal was the pro pro-am race. And there's some freaking young kid, uh, just a fire breathing dragon. And, you know, Tim and I are both in our thirties and, and probably shouldn't have been racing anyways. And we're on these big tanks. Unfortunately, the young man had a problem with his Yamaha and Tim and I battled for the win. And I won the first pro-am and works. The first pro-am race they ever had, I won. That's on really that, neat. On That's that awesome. Monster. Yeah. I never got to race any of those. I wanted to, but I just didn't get to do it. It looked like it, a lot of fun. I think that off-road racing, you know, it was never the thing that we wanted to do when we were younger. We all wanted to go to Mickey's. We all wanted to go to motocross. We all wanted to go, you know, do the, the that stuff. And on the when you when you transfer to the West Coast, and you do it on the West coast, that, that's pretty much all you're going to get to do is off-road stuff, desert, right? you know, because there's, there's a little bit of motocross, but not a whole lot. Speaking of Mickey's uh, man, what a great guy. I was lucky enough to get to meet him and his wife, Trudy. And uh, <clears throat> I was probably at his house about a month before that little thing happened with him and uh, his wife horrible tragedy um mickey made it possible for me and my teammate charlie shepherd while we were 15 still a class riders you know in 87 racing the takati forest for kawasaki mickey allowed us to come out on the west coast when we weren't racing the grand nationals to get us ready you know for actually it was i guess it was the. Uh, 86. Wow. Because the Takatis, the, the, wow, God, I remembering back, the Takatis weren't even made yet. 
we had my dad, <laughs> my dad and a man by the name of Gene Blue made this four wheeler called the Mocat. <laughs> they called it, they called it the Mocat. It was a Mojave with a KX or dirt bike motor in it. And uh, I, I really get the years. I'm old. It's been a long time. But we were in San Antonio, Texas at a national, and there was no Kawasaki four-wheeler, two-stroke, just the four-stroke Mojave. My dad and this guy, Gene Blue, of Blue's Boats and Bikes in Poplar Bluff, Missouri, sitting around, and he owns the local Kawasaki shop. So he's sitting there, and he's, you know, uh, <laughs> they, they got a new Mojave, and they got a, a new dirt bike. And he's like, you know what, man? This is the last race. So they just built this. Thing. They went and put the dirt bike motor in the Mojave. I rode it up and down the road a couple of times. We loaded up, took it to the Nationals in San Antonio and ended up, of course, that was another protest. I got protested at Boyd. I got protested there, but I got protested all the time. I got protested for riding a 125 in the 200cc class. How many people you ever known got protested for riding a smaller bike? <laughs> because the guys were pissed because you probably beat them. They hated seeing that 125 come. That was the one I had. That was 86. James DeGain from Team Kawasaki. He hand-built, had a bike hand-built for me in-house. But I haven't heard that name oh. ever. De James DeGain, best man I probably ever met, you know, short of my daddy. Uh, James DeGain, he, he was at the time our team manager. Um. And I would go out to California for a couple few weeks at a time. And I would either stay with James or Reed. Um, and like I say, they babysat me and um, probably not good as they should have. Reed was better. James had let me run wild. <laughs> but uh, good people, good times. But uh, James built that bike for me. And I don't think we uh, that bike was pretty much undefeated that bought that. We won the 125 youth, 125 amateur. I would have won the 200 class in it, but they made me ride a 200. So we had to win it with a 200. And uh, I won three titles that year. I would have won four, but I give it to Donnie Wilson, crashed in front of them twice. Gator back at Gainesville. I was leading, crashed in front of them, coming down this big downhill. And then a couple weeks later at Boyd, I hit the wall, leading Donnie Wilson again. He's a fast guy. And uh, you just had to really be on edge and rails to beat the guy. And he ended up beating me out of the championship that year by a couple points, if even that. But, um, uh, yeah, there's just so much to talk about. And uh, James, I, I, I would – I had his number and uh, he was doing the desert thing there for a while. So uh, he's kind of a hermit. I even think more so than myself. So you have, you haven't spoke with him in a while. No, I just, I knew of him. I didn't know him. Oh, okay. Now how, how old are you Leonard? I'm 55. All right. So yeah, I'm 51. So yeah, we were, we were right there through all the same stuff. Yeah, it, it, it's like what we would talk about. Reed, I just had Reed on the show not too long ago. 
Reed Nordeen, uh, I can't say enough good things about that guy. Uh, and his wife, Jill, I remember him before they were even married. Uh, man, yeah, he, he's a good guy. He went uh, from, like I said, my early my early thoughts and memories of Reed was him being, you know, Jimmy, the young guy, Jimmy White's mechanic, you know, and and then the next thing, you know, I'm at Monster Energy Supercross and he's got me, you know, over in the pits, giving my hat, you know, whoever the riders were at the time, my son hats and just a good guy, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean- Some, somebody a major corporation that keeps a man around that long, you know, it speaks volumes for what he's about. He's a good dude. Yeah, he was there 31 years, I think. Long time. Yeah. And Bruce Schoenstrom, uh, I haven't talked to him in years. You know, he was like our big boss is what it, Bruce Schoenstrom. Yeah. It's yeah. Good times. You know, it's amazing that, See, I got in trouble at the end of 04 with Cowie because I kept uh, the drive gear in the back. The, 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 I guess it's a ring and pinion. It's not a ring and pinion, but it's a uh, – why can't I think of it? But, but the rear end gear in that thing, I kept breaking them. Right. Well, the first two, they took care of it. Well, they come back to you in this freaking wood crate that looks like they made it to freaking withstand a nuclear bomb. Right. The rear housing was so heavy. Well, I didn't ask. I just boxed up my last one that was broken and shipped it. <laughs> and cause I had the box and the address and everything and who I was supposed to go to. And uh, it got there. And I guess they got halfway three quarters of the way through fixing it. And we got a call. Hey, what the hell are you doing? We didn't authorize this. You know, I was like, Oop. <laughs> so they, they got a hold of my brother. They didn't get a hold of me and, and they chewed his ass and he come out and chewed my ass. Um, it, it, they, it was a lot of fun. I'll tell you, man, it's always some kind of fun. Oh, you know, I think, I think, you know, you missed a whole life career when you retired in 88 or at the end of 88, because the sport grew with guys, you know, uh, John Natale, uh, Joe. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I could just, I could name 25, 30 guys that raced after that time or were racing during that time, but maybe didn't have the name. Um, and, And it's just, it was just, it's been an amazing ride. You know, looking looking back, like I say, I looked in some of the old magazines, and um, um, I I seen I looked down classes younger writers when I was a pro in '88. I seen the names like Travis Spader and Doug Gust, um, and Tim Farr. They were just they were just right behind me and Charlie. You know, they were. When we went pro, they were the top A riders of what I was looking back. And and then I seen when I come back in 02, of course, you know, them guys kept riding the whole time, you know. So that's awesome. It's just it's cool that, that people kept on doing it. Um 
it was just, I was just, uh, like I say, you know, when the factories got out, I just, I was always the juice is kind of be worth the squeeze kind of guy, you know, and I figured, you know, when the factories get back into it, maybe I will, you know, but time passes fast, you know, 14 years went by and I picked, you know, I, I never picked up a magazine, so I never did anything. So I, you'd have I didn't know. Who, you'd have probably came back sooner if you would have picked up the magazine because you'd have seen that it was it was thriving. No, you, you didn't have companies that were paying writers, but you had companies that were building them the machines. You know, we were we were taking a full on trailer with full of machines to to the races from the West Coast, you know, and and that lasted until 90, 2000, 2000 is when, right. we, when we stopped taking the trailer back, you know? Uh, oh, I remember when I got back, you know, I mean, I, I was, it, the tech, the suspension, all the zero preload suspension. And it was like, man, what the bikes were so much better, you know, it's, uh, I literally skipped, I skipped a whole day. So, but it, it was, uh, every off we raced cars, we did all kind of stuff. So, and we always, always find our way back to racing four wheelers or three wheelers. What's, uh, cause you started on three wheelers. I did. Yes, sir. And then, and then, you didn't transfer to four wheelers until you absolutely had to, man. I hated four wheelers. God, me and my buddy, Rodney Gentry, um, <laughs> me and John Pellin and my son usually do a little guy's trip. We, we go fishing down in Florida with a buddy of ours and uh Mark Starbanger. He's an announcer. I'm sure, you know, banger. Yep. Um, but we, we passed through, you know, when we seen, um, we seen Rodney and um, we were, I was trying to think, oh, Lord. Hey, didn't Rodney have bypass surgery? See, I, you know that I haven't talked to Rodney. I got hurt at the Legends race a couple of years ago. Um, and Rodney had called me right after, like, I got out of the hospital and I just, I, I missed his call. And you know what? I haven't talked to him since. So he had surgery. Rodney did. I believe that he had a bypass. Uh, I I'd seen something wow. on uh, social media and I reached out to him, but he never reached back. So yeah, me same hair, the same hair, like no response. And that's been, that's been a couple of years. That makes me even wonder more. But. Uh, he's still been posting or there's still been posts. Um, so I think that he's okay. I just, you know. Man, Rodney, uh, that's just not like him. Usually, you know, anytime he always calls back or answers. But we stopped by coming back from vacation and seeing him and his dad and uh, – they're just the nicest people, you know, him and his dad and his mom, you know, and uh, they already had had his beds made, you know, didn't want us to leave and to go. And some people you just pick right up where you left off with, you know, 
And I, uh, I think that's most of the ATV world. That, that when you when you talk to most of the ATV world and, and the people, even if you like you and I, we were there, we probably had a very little interaction. But I knew who you were. And but I it's neat watched. to share our stories and hear what you were doing on the other side, the other coast or on the other side of the pits. You know, it's neat. You had already stopped racing before I had ever picked up a wrench to be a mechanic. You know, at any race, I, I, I didn't start that until 91. You know, and that crazy. And I mean, I didn't know you were Lauren. I didn't know you were Lauren's brother. I didn't. John Pellin called me and told me, um, Leonard Duncan wants you to do something. And I, that's, I've never, I've never watched one of your th shows. I've never, I don't, I just don't, I don't, I get it. I, get I don't, it. I just don't. I'm on the phone or the internet all day because of work. When I come home, I shut it. I try to shut it down. Let's, it don't get shut down. It's always something work related. So I just, I really hate the phone and the internet. I don't, I don't even get on Facebook or nothing hardly anymore yet. What exactly do you do? Uh, we do, I work for at and I'm a contractor for at and We uh, put in fiber optic lines like to the cell towers and, our internet that we're talking on right now, a contractor like me put it to the tower. Somebody put it in, put it in there, put it on the pole. We do underground work though, directional boring. Right. On a drilling business. So um, that's a lot. That's got to be entertaining at, at points, but super hard work. Oh man. I mean, they, you know, it, it, it's John. Uh, John worked, he, he was with me, me and him started something and, uh, he worked with me for a while. It's very, it's unnerving. You know I mean? You're, you're on a machine that that's boring metal over and under gas and electric lines and the rods shoot water through it. it it's if it, it could go real bad, real fast, you know, but that's all I've ever done. So <clears throat> I've bored and trenched and underground work. That's what my dad did. And, um, but John ended up, he, it wasn't, he didn't really, you know, he, uh, I used to mess with him. He's a Northern boy, you know, so um, and it got about 75 degrees one day and he's like, Oh my God, I think I'm going to melt. He's like, my, my lily white skin, I'm about to die. I was like, man, it ain't even got hot yet. Helen, what are you talking about? Uh, but uh but no it is it's stressful it's very demanding it's hard to get away from i'm, I'm 51 I, I get up every day i go out in the 100 degree weather i look at it as a workout it just keeps me young and not fat so uh, what do you do and, and if not it keeps me stressed out so i don't eat a lot so <laughs> <laughs> My dad had a heart attack. I'm pretty sure I will too. So what do you do? Was your but, dad was your dad pretty healthy or did he Oh no. God bless him. No. Shit. No, sir. He uh no, he fried chicken, fried everything. You know, he like he he my dad was one of the best riders that I ever seen, seriously. Like, no joke. 
and my whole family could just ride. That first race that I was telling you about, that Oklahoma City race, my my uncle, his name's David Meadows. I watched him go out and lead. He raced a 200cc pro class, never been to a national in his whole life. And at that time, at that time, and this was actually Oklahoma City had a big race every year. We did this. We were racing Yamahas is how far back this was. This was 3B Lightning days. Okay. But my my uncle on a Trimoto with an IT-175, top in, all that good stuff. Um, He pulled the whole shot on Stevie Wright and Tommy Gain and all them guys. And he led for about two laps until he couldn't hold on no more than they smoked him. But, uh, (laughs) but, (laughs) hey, and that's what – my whole family could ride, but when it come down to, hey, you got to get out there and start jogging or riding every day or stop eating that fried chicken, they weren't about to do that. I was the only one that was willing to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but my dad, hey, that joker could ride. I'm going to tell you, he's one of the best riders, but when it come down to it, he wasn't going to the next level with it. And, uh, he was better than wait. I never, I could never ride like my dad and my uncle was incredible, but, um, uh, they had more of an act for making money. They just let me race. So, and it was fun. That's so, awesome. Was your mom all for it at the time? Man, my mom supported me through thick and thin. I was a Missouri boy in the beginning and I never seen a motocross track until I moved to North Carolina, Raleigh, North Carolina. That's where I met a man by the name of Steve Mendenhall. Yep. And he was a special kind of fast. Him and Jimmy White taught me so much, them two guys. uh, And it, it was really, you know, I know Jimmy or um, Steve had never been to a national until, you know, we met him and we went down, we moved to Raleigh. And like I said, I'd never seen a jump before, man. I was terrified. Holy Christ. These jumps were big. It was big motocross. And these guys were flying over doubles and triples. And, you know, I'm, I'm a Missouri guy, man. They didn't do, we didn't race. We, we were like flat trackers. <laughs> so a- anyway, after getting, my butt beat for a couple months, you know, I, I met Steve and my dad and him got to be good buddies. And, uh, he, he took me under his wing and, you know, he made me a motocrosser and, um, good guy, Steve Mendenhall and a man, a fierce competitor too. He, uh, he come to the first national out of nowhere and, was running with Jimmy White, you know, there weren't many people in the world could do that. Right. They made a name for itself real fast. Uh, I remember, I remember a couple of epic Jimmy White and Steve Mendenhall battles. One was Little Valley, New York, right down the last lap, Jimmy got him. And then uh, Lake George, New York on the ice, last lap, Jimmy got him. But yeah, good. So many good times. And they were racing three wheelers then too. Oh, and I come back in 2012 and raced a three wheeler, which is now, and there is actually a three wheeler pro class at the, at the yeah. grand national events. I went back and I had rode a three wheeler and geez, man, I don't know how many years that had been. 
my gosh, yeah, long time. Anyway, they were doing these, some people were doing these trike conversions and uh, they call them trikes now. I'm, I raced three wheelers. I never raced a trike, but right. we all, everybody got their own thing. Did you but we had, ride one of the modern day? Did you get to ride one of the modern day conversions? Oh yeah, that's what I I went to Astabula in 2012 with a 450 uh, conversion with inverted front you know front end and good suspension. It was and I had my motor builder build. It was it was bad and. Uh, we won. We won the pro class that year. Um, I can't. I don't know how old I was. Old, but uh, brother, you're not that even was old. A, you're oh, not even old. You ain't no gray hair. Yeah, you know that's just for men. Don't be fooled. Uh. <laughs> I look. I look. I look like Santa Claus without the presents. Dude, you're looking at me with. I look at all my white hair, dude. I'm. But I, I started turning white in my thirties. Really, man, I didn't even get any gray hair until I was like 40, probably 45. And then it just like right here, I think it's what is that stress? It's white. Well, Lauren stayed non gray, maybe a little bit of salt, maybe a little bit of salt in there for a little while. That's Lauren Duncan. Lauren Duncan ain't Lauren Duncan ain't got no worries, Leonard. You know, he ain't going to turn gray. Shoot. (laughs) Shit. You wish. (laughs) That guy stresses more than anybody I know. How is he doing? I haven't talked to a guy. I haven't talked to to Lauren in so long. Is he doing good? He's doing great. Uh, other than the fact that we can't keep up. I mean, there's just who can who can keep up really. There's no help. The supply chains are broken, and it keeps coming through the door. Which I'm, I'm yes, not complaining sir. about that. I'm complaining about the fact that there's no time off. You know, I've, oh, yeah. I, I haven't got to spend decent time with my wife. I mean, decent time, you know, we're used to, uh, you know, you get two weekends a month or you get, uh, you know, there's a day here, a day there. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it's kind of funny. I'll just tell you the story. During this, this was going to start before the pandemic. So the pandemic, they shut us all down on. 31320. My grandson's yes, birthday. Okay. And we were planning like the 20th or the 21st to have a big barbecue deal where we built this area where we could tape all these shows and, and get all the a bunch of the old West Coast guys to come and sit and talk and feed them and just spend the day, you know? Yeah, spend some time. Yeah, and, and that's how I was going to start the podcast deal. Well, it got all shut down. Um, so then I figured uh, I didn't know what to do. So for a couple of months, we didn't do anything. And then I I just started calling people and having them come over. And they would sit down and we would tape episodes. You know, Doug Eichner, probably don't know who he is. Uh, I remember Doug. I, Doug Eichner was a West fast West Coast guy. He rode for, he was a Duncan guy. Yep. Yep. Always had the pretty bikes, man. I got, I got Duncan bikes. Always just sharp, man. Good looking bikes. Well, we I remember um, he had like when I come back, I can't remember who was riding for you guys, but 
I remember like a white 250R with a pretty blue frame and uh, yeah, just good. Look. I always remember just Spader. Good work. Spader, had Spader. Ride, Spader had the ride from like 97 to 2000. Right. And Eichner had it before that. And then Eichner, we transferred Eichner to the, to the back to the West coast. And then he started running best in the desert and score. And then work started in 2001. Um, so uh, Tavis Kane rode back there at the nationals as well when you were there and he was an amateur. Yes. When right. Yeah. I remember that name. I remember that name. Yeah. Speaking about vacations, the last vacation I had was the legends race. And, uh, I don't know, a couple years ago, maybe it was in 19. It was in 19. Did you, wasn't much, it wasn't, wasn't much of a, wasn't much of a, a vacation. I ended up getting hurt and getting to tour a couple local emergency rooms. What, what, uh, it was a big, sir. What did you ride? Oh my gosh. Wow. Uh, we built the, I gotta say right now, the coolest Takati that's maybe ever been made. It was bad, but it never, it never made the starting line, but, um, so we got invited to the legends race there. And I guess it's 2019 and, um, I own my own business. So, I mean, I, if I need to go practice. So, you know, I thought, well, we'll go race the, the legends race and I'm not just going to race with all the other old guys. I'm, you know, I want to try to race the pro class three wheeler again. Um, and I thought it would be cool to get to race in front of all my legends, you know, I mean, how cool would that be, you know, and compete and, um, you know, it just wasn't meant to be long story short, the guy, that was going to build I had it I've got a friend um his name is Greg Pafford um and he's a great guy lives in Louisiana owns uh EMT helicopters and ambulances and everything but he funded pretty much the lot of it uh he bought a Takati second gen um went and bought cow fab swing arm. I mean, he didn't spare no expenses and we had the sweetest bike, which he still got it in his possession. Jealous. Uh, it needs to be in my living room, but anyway, and, and I spent plenty of money on it too, but, uh, Pafford, he, he's got more money than Santa Claus, this guy. <laughs> and, uh, but he, he built an awesome bike, but long story short, the bike ended up in the wrong hands. Um, the guy that was putting it together for me that was also building the hybrid bike that I was going to race in the pro class, which I was going to race a 450 in the pro class. Um, and then the Takati, of course, in the Legends class, and that would be appropriate. But anyway, it ended up, I had to pay... Rob Selby, um, I got to spend my last race that I did with Rob Selby. It was cool. He was my motor builder uh, at the Legends race. Um, I spent my whole career trying to beat Rob Selby Motors pretty much. It was funny to actually ride for the guy for once. And um, But anyways, 
uh, we we went. The bike wasn't ready. I paid some Selby's people from California to drive to Oregon is where the bike was, pick it up and go all the way to Astrobula. Um, and, um, the bike got built there. Uh, Tim Detling at Detling Motorsports. Um, awesome guy. Never met him before really until that, um, uh, day. He, him and Rob, uh, and a bunch of other people there at his shop. We built the bike. We pulled in on a Thursday night um, into his shop, unloaded a frame, a motor, at nothing. And the next morning at 6 o'clock, we had a complete built bike and running, rolled it in the freight liner, trying to make it to the last practice we didn't make it. Um, so anyway, yeah, we made, we got, we made three laps on the bike. We didn't get to cycle it. You know, we cranked it up and the freight liner on the way to the track in the back, letting it run. But I baby did the best I could, you know, but I just, one time I got on it coming out, I only got three laps of practice. So it was a nightmare. You know, I, I was, I was, it was, I should have known when to quit, but I was just hell bent on racing. Um, so anyway, the Takati blew up, it seized, we never, it never made the line. The guy that was building the hybrid bike never come through. So I was going to race the Takati in the pro class and the legends class. So I was bikeless. And of course, everyone was offering me a bike there at the event. Uh, everyone so nice, but I ended up, I, I picked a bike, a four stroke hybrid. I never rode before. Um, it was, um, it was a dirt bike conversion and, um, it was really fast. It was a great bike. I didn't know the track. I, like I said, I got three laps of practice. There was option lanes. Um, and then of course the first race of the night was a pro three wheeler class right on the line. And I had Scott Wickersham and um, a Jacob Hall, Jace, Jacob Hall, very fast three-wheeler guy. Um, yeah, everybody was in my heat race. So I, anyway, I went down. I was in third. <laughs> I was running third is the last thing I remember. And then I woke up in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. So track was rough. There were, The ambulance run a lot of times that weekend. Were you there that weekend? Lauren and I did not get to make it. I can't remember how many times they said the hospitals were full. It was fast. It was rough. And there was people going down. But uh, Astrobule is always fun. You, every year you go there, you never know. The track's going to be different, what it's going to be like. Well, always loved it. Um, do you know George Davis? John? You know, John's really good friends with him. And I know they're doing they, – they've – they went on strike of work. I think they're just racing motorcycles for a living now. They're just traveling. Um, so, well, George wants me to come cover the uh, a, a TT race. Oh, that'd be neat. Yes, sir. That'd be cool. What What I do is is we do press conferences because nobody does press conferences in the ATV world, right? So what we do is we set up a press conference, and what what they're trying to set up is they're trying to set one up for Astrobula to have me come there 
and and do this press conference with everybody and you know get it out get it out to everyone like we did for round seven of the motocross at Briarcliff. Um, Someone got, needs to. I think that's awesome what you're doing. It's all you know? it's all funding. Yes, sir. You know everything's about funding. If they can get the funding, we'll go. Um, that's right. I'm trying to work out funding for Loretta Lynn's, but I haven't been able to figure that out yet for the finals for the motocross, you know? Well, I haven't been the last, the last time I was at Loretta Lynn's was in 04 when my dad had passed. <clears throat> Wes Miller had come, come down and uh, he come down for, I, they did a Paducah international at the time. Dale Earnhardt Jr. owned PIR International, Paducah International Raceway. They did a, a Jack Meadows Memorial TT race in that 04, which was the last race of the TT Nationals that year. And um, it uh, it was really cool. You know, they, 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 it, yeah, they really honored my dad. And uh, it was, it was a really neat, event um and that was that was an 04 um but yeah I'm, I'm sorry i didn't mean to get off there no, that's okay that's fine dude this is your time um you, you know you you've heard about rob right tell me oh yeah 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 that's horrible didn't didn't even know that there was a problem you know he had had some issues but not just i don't I don't know. He, he didn't look, he never looked sick. Rob never, to me, he never looked sick, you know? And, and um, the funny thing is, is I talked to Kenny Roberts, you know, you remember Kenny? Yeah. Kenny built my pipe for the, for the Takati. So um, I was at Kenny's spot <laughs> right after it happened. And Kenny said, Rob was texting Kenny to make sure Kenny was okay. And then later that night, passed away. Yeah, it really blew me away, you know. And, and like I tell you, you know, I'm really a hermit. I don't. I'm bad about picking the phone up, and and I, I didn't. Uh, you know, after the race at Astabula, I just kind of, you know, just went back into my hole, went back to work, and you know, I was just. And then you know, I didn't get to talk to Rob like I would have liked to, and. It just really broke my heart when I heard that he had passed, you know, didn't, did not expect that. None of us, nobody, no, I don't think it just blew me away. But, you know, like I tell you, you know, it it was, I was really honored, you know, that he, he was with me, you know, there, we didn't get to do nothing, but, you know, you know, a lot of the, and I know you know this much as anybody else, racing sometimes isn't always about being on the track, you know. Um, the time spent with family, people like Rob Selby in their last, my last go, um, and it was real neat. I, I got to, at that race, I got to to see Dean Sundahl, and, man, Dean was one of my first heroes, hell, I'm sure. Dean was everybody's probably first hero. Uh, <laughs> Wax, Mark Waxendorfer, Wax and Dean. Three yep. uh, B lot. The only the only person, that, and this is as far back far back as I can remember. The baddest dude that I can remember, but being a bad dude 
was Bob Ace Williams. Yep. He, to me, which I'm old, he was the original badass. That guy, um, he was I the spoke. only. How much different do you think things would have been if he wouldn't have freaking rode that bike? You know what blew me away too then? See, I was a Yamaha. I was 3B, 3B Lightning, hardcore, you know, Billy Talley, uh, you know, all them guys. And, and I just, I ate, slept, and bred. It was just cool to see Yamaha running with the big dogs, Honda, you know, which at the time was Wax and Dean and a bunch of other guys. But Wax and Dean, Mike Coe. Uh, coolest guy, man. Mike Coe's awesome. One of my favorites. Um, I still talk to Mike, you know, on Facebook and stuff. And man, it's, I still get excited. Like a, like, uh, a 13 year old boy. When I see Mike Coe pop up, I'm like, Hey, what's Mike Coe texting me about? I get excited. But, uh, but yeah, it, uh, it, Mike, Mike, when Mike comes over and I, and I set up a show, Usually I set it up with him and my dad because Mike's one of those guys, when he starts talking with my dad, they don't just talk about ATVs. They start talking about building things and companies that <laughs> build pranks. And, you know, they worked on this, you know, three fifties and the different heads you could put on them. And then they get into another motorcycle motor that they worked on. So smart them guys and see me. And I really hate that I missed that part of it. But as a kid, anytime I would touch anything, they'd slap my hands and tell me to go back in there and get your mind right and think about the race. You don't need to be working or touching the motorcycles. And, and I, you know, I didn't, I never, I never, I'm, I'm so not mechanical, you know, I can, uh, I can do and build all kinds of things, but it ain't no motor. <laughs> uh, and it, it, I wish I would have learned you know, but I just never did. I, I never did. They just told me to ride. So I did. But, uh, that's, that's so funny, you know, but yeah, it, it was, uh, but any, I'm sorry, my dog's dreaming. Um, she's <laughs> over here making noises, but yeah, it was neat to see all them guys and be on the track at that legends race and just, uh, hang out with, with, with Dean Sundahl and Jimmy White, Mike Ho, and I mean, everybody, oh man, I, I can't remember. I don't know if Curtis was there, but I just, there was. was so, so many people. No, you know what? And, I'm, I'm uh, thinking, man, I don't think he made it to that one. I don't think Curtis did make it to that one. Um, like Curtis didn't make it to that one, but and Donnie Banks was there. Um, it was just good. And, and you know, the, I, the first person that I seen when I got out of the hospital, which I did check myself out of the hospital because they told me that the legends aren't racing until like noon or 1230. So the, without the doctor's permission, of course, I checked myself out of the hospital so we could make it to the legends race and race. But it appeared that Mike Coe told me out of his own mouth, he's like, when, when we seen you wreck, he said nobody wanted to race. So pretty much everybody was like hugging babies. We did a victory lap and waved at everybody. <laughs> he's like, because I was ready. He was like, Jackie was ready to ride. He's like, you went out and got hurt. You're like, man, we ain't racing nothing. So I'm ashamed to say, I think I single-handedly screwed the Legends 2019 up. 
They see me take a dive. (laughs) You got to think. I mean, some of those guys were pushing, like, I think Sundahl's 64, 65 years old now. Yeah. No. And, you know, if they put on helmets, I promise every one of them will forget how old they are, just like that. Mike's well, no, Mike, Mike, Joy, a lot of them still joy ride. They're not, they are all them guys are, most of them are disciplined, but accidents happen. You know, uh, Mike was telling me about someone. He said, Jackie, he said, I had flashbacks. I think it was Mike Chester. You remember that name? He was a team Honda rider, Mike Chester and an, an awesome rider. He said it was just like a publicity thing. He said, he said, I swear when I seen you crash right in front of me, he said, it made me think about Mike Chester. He said, he said, it scared me so bad because he was such a good, smooth rider, never really messed up, made mistakes. And it was the stupidest thing that paralyzed him. Yep. And he said it happened right in front of my eyes. And uh, he said, when you did that, he said, that's the same thing I seen. He said, I didn't. I didn't care to to race that weekend, and uh, did you get broken or no? I no, and, and did, it didn't even look like I tried to ride it out, you know. And I held on, and I just took it, took it. It hit me right in the head. They thought I had some brain; my bl- brain was bleeding a little bit, but I was all right. They told me my brain wasn't bleeding. I checked myself out and. Went back to the track, the first thing. It was traumatizing, too. For once, my voice of reason, my mom and my sister weren't there. They would have told me, Jackie, this is a shit show. You need to stop. Your bike's blown up. God's telling you, you're not supposed to race. Quit being hard-headed. But instead, it was just me and my son and no voice of reason. Just everybody at the track, you know, go, go, go. And, and we did. How old so, uh, at that time, sir, how old was your boy at that time? Oh, wow. Well, two years ago. So four, thir- four, 13, I guess he was 13. <laughs> so, and you know, and my son's very talented. He's only raced two races, but he won both of his races. He, he's very fast, but I did not push this sport on him because you know how dangerous it is. Um, I had the love for it and no one was keeping me from racing three or four wheelers. So my dad, he pushed me then, but my son wasn't ate up with it. Like what I was, but he's taller. Um, he's a better build of a rider. He, you know, he could, but he's smarter than me too. So he just rides for fun, but he was with me, you know, and, um, he knows his dad always takes things to the next level, and I don't know when to say when. And I was in shape. I trained for two or three months. I mean, I rode me and Eric Rowland, if you remember that name. I do. He, he was uh, another young gun coming up when I was, me and Charlie. Uh, ends up, you know, he's a Tennessee boy. Um we reunited, you know, reunited and, and uh, hadn't talked in years. I was working in his hometown. He'd give me a spare house uh, to live in. And every day after work, I would had my practice bike, which is a hybrid 450. And we would just go ride with me in there. I was riding four or five times a week. So I was ready for the race. You know, it, it just really sucked that my bike blew up and uh, 
wasn't nobody's fault. It, you know, it just, it just, we weren't supposed to race that weekend, but right. my voice reasons weren't there. My son got traumatized because he was in the stands watching and I got a pretty crappy start and I worked my way back up to third. I didn't know how the Joker lanes went. Um, when I crashed, like I said, I was in third place and I was tr coming around and I just remember hooking a rut and trying to hang on. Cause I did not, I didn't let go. I was, tr I was trying to hang on and I should have let go. But anyway, the people were saying, you know, Jackie's dead. He's not moving. You know, he's dead. So my son, he had heard all kind of horrible things and, uh, he was scared that in the ambulance ride on the way to the hospital, you know, he was terrified. So pretty bad first, you know, go for him, but he's tough. He, he, uh, he made it when I woke up, you know, uh, we were just looking for the door, you know, so we got back and to find the race wasn't canceled. And the first thing that I remember when my buddy picked me up from the hospital and the doctors on this ear telling me, don't go, we can't go. We we're not releasing you. As soon as I got the car, got back to Astubula, I remember Jimmy white walking up, giving me a crown and Coke. And uh, I was like, Jimmy, I just got out of the hospital. I said, I probably don't need to drink that. He said, well, you know what Jimmy said, told me to stop being one of those and drank this. <laughs> <laughs> so, we drank a lot that day on into the night. So, uh, I lived and we made more memories and more stories, you know, and I know we've talked probably for two hours. It seems like I'm sorry. No, uh, what I want to do is, is I want to extend an invitation for you to come back and tell me some more stories at a later date. Hey, I would, I would love to, I would love to Lynn. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org, or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industries building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.